Hello and welcome to Dubious Information. Uh, I'm Michael. And I'm Patrick. And today we are talking about the Treaty of Lutatius, Lutatius, Lutatius. Some some Roman name. <laughs> vaguely Roman. Va- vaguely Roman. Uh, yeah, so what's that about? So this is the treaty that ended the First Punic War. So that was the... Uh... Yes, we can all we we can all get at, get this out of our system. <laughs> it sounds like pubic, and now we can proceed as the adults that we all are. So, growing up, I always thought the term Punic was like the idea that they were somehow punishing the Carthaginians, but that was just like a generic term for that uh, that culture. Yeah. So this uh, this war consisted of what was at the time the largest naval conflict, and I believe it remained the largest naval conflict in the ancient world. Yeah, I mean, probably up until you know Middle Ages at least, yeah. or like Napoleon, most likely. Uh, so I'm extremely unfamiliar with this period of history, but uh, tell us what what's going on in the world with uh, the what's what's the surrounding environment in which the Punic War happened. So, at least from a very Mediterranean-centric point of view, there's kind of two superpowers. There is um, the Roman Republic. This is pre- or post-King pre-Empire Rome, who at this point have consolidated the Italian peninsula and are trying to make inroads into Sicily, uh, the big island off the toe of the boot. And then we've got the Carthaginians, which are this Levantine, which started out life as a Levantine colony in modern-day Tunisia, who have now spread throughout most of northern Africa, have holdings in different Mediterranean islands, and have actually colonized uh, the Iberian Peninsula. The conflict was kind of interesting in that I think you could definitely write a picture of history where the Carthaginians were like the scrappy band of good guys who like all these different cultures coming together together to fight the Roman menace, but then they lost, so now they're not that great. Yeah, uh, one one thing that's kind of interesting about this treaty and the war in particular is that all of modern history seems to stem from one account, whose account is actually based on earlier now lost sources. Yeah, and like I think a lot of the history from that time is like actually pretty patchy. It's just like you know it's been decided that this is the way it was. This is we found we found one one surviving manuscript written by one guy who like he seems legit. He probably wasn't lying to us. So <laughs> why would he lie? Yeah, we wrote it down. <laughs> Writing things down was hard back then. Yes, that's true. Um, so just, so generally, I think this was a conflict mostly over Sicily. Um, and there were like various Greek states or Greek colonies that were somewhat involved in it, but and the Carthaginians and the Romans weren't really like they weren't fighting on the same page. So, according to the Wikipedia article, anyway, and my exceptionally limited knowledge of this particular uh, conflict, uh, Wikipedia stated that the Carthaginians were more focused on their Northern African campaign and like Sicily was that thing over there. Mm. Uh, And they had, at the time, they had a set of fairly substantial strongholds in Sicily that they could supply by sea. And the the Romans had a much more superior, far superior land force. So basically the Carthaginians were like, whatever, man, like you will, they're, MO for fighting these battles was apparently to wait for their opponent to wear themselves out 
and then negotiate a peace treaty that's uh, somewhat amicable between the two of them. So they would just hold up in their strongholds, resupply by sea, and then after like 20 years of the Roman Empire depleting all of its manpower and funding, they would come in and be like, hey, so we friends now? <laughs> uh, and that was on the cusp of happening, actually. So at the time, the, at the time of this treaty's being signed, uh, the Roman coffers were effectively empty, and the uh, like the male population of military age had dropped by twenty percent. Wow! Right, like mind-boggling in terms of uh, like if you think of the population decline after World War One. I wonder if that was the military population that was considered fit to serve in the Roman military. Because at this time, you basically needed to be in the upper classes in order to afford the equipment to go to war. That so it might have been kind of a, a, a subset of population, but it was still a huge number of people. Yeah, yeah. And so the way that Rome eventually won this war was that they financed a gigantic fleet uh, not through government funding. A grand fleet of the yeah. Republic. Yeah. Uh, not through, you know, standard funding of, like, militaries today, where, you know, you uh, have the government spend money to procure things of war. Uh, effectively, they sold a bunch of war bonds, <laughs> is uh, uh, my understanding. Un- Uncle Samicus. Yeah, they, uh, they went to... Uh, they went to a bunch of the wealthy citizens and were like, hey, so we can't afford ships, but if you pay for these ships, we'll get reparations from the Carthaginians and then we'll pay you back with that. Uh, so that was how the Romans wound up with their giant navy that wound up uh, eventually breaking the Carthaginian. My understanding was that those eventually broke the uh, Carthaginian supply lines to Sicily. Oh, okay. Which led to the Sis, not the Sicilian. The cessation, the secession of Sicily. <laughs> yeah, the uh, uh, the Carthaginians, um, eventually being amicable to a peace deal, uh, they effectively told their commanders in Sicily to surrender and like negotiate whatever terms are amicable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Carthaginian in charge, who was like, "I want no part of this," uh, he. Historical accounts conflict because, again, one guy and then also some scattered stuff. <laughs> uh, but it depends on... There, there was some debate as to whether or not he just didn't want his name associated with this defeat. Mm-hmm. So then he turned it over to his uh, sub-commander or he legitimately believed that they could win the war. Yeah. Unknown. Uh, but anyway, the on the Roman side, they were also motivated to finalize a peace treaty because at the time the Roman army uh, they had basically commanders for two year stints. There were two people in charge of the army for two years at a time and that term was coming to a conclusion. So the guy in charge of the Romans was like yes let's work out a peace treaty so that I can take credit for ending this 20 year war and the Carthaginians were like we're gonna get wrecked so let's end this war. Uh, So they came up with a peace treaty that involved 
a ridiculous quantity of silver being like, changed hands. More than I thought, like, could be transported in those times. Yeah, like... like tons and tons. Yeah, literal tons. Literal tons. Uh, like, 16,000 kilograms. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I, I can't... Well, I don't know. Silver's pretty heavy, but I can't figure out what that is in volume. Yeah. Um, and uh, or the original peace treaty was sent to the Roman Senate for a ratification, and then the Roman Senate said no. Uh, and then there was this whole back and forth that involved like a shortening of the timelines and a bunch of nonsense. It really, the reading about this treaty kind of emphasized the different timescales that things happened in in those days. Because it was like, it took a year and a half to get an answer from Rome. And then they sent a guy with the no. And then he actually, he negotiated to get the yes. Yeah. It's like, presumably people are still like fighting somewhere. Yeah, like, what do you do? Like. Do you send runners out and you're like, hey, wait, we're, we're negotiating the peace treaty. Just everybody chill. <laughs> yeah, and like you, you mentioned, 20-year war. Like, that's horrendous. Yeah. Like, entire yeah. generation. There, yeah. that, was, that, was a, that was a long enough war later on in human history for that to become the name. <laughs> no, that was the 200-year war. Never mind. Or wait, yeah. 80 years of war? One of those. Some yeah. number of years of war. Many, many years, yeah. many wars. And I, I think 100 years of war. Hundred Years' War. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was that was that was France and Britain. So like that whole time period is effectively just war. Yeah, either diplomatically or with people stabbing each other. So really, like you could extend that out to like it's, it's all the five hundred year war. Yeah. That's uh, that's my reverse justification. There we go. <laughs> it's all war. It's just how you cut it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's either people fighting over ideas or ideas fighting over people. It's fine. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the the result of this treaty was this, um, yeah, as I said, Carthage lost all of its claims in Sicily, and it lost its uh, holdings, or it, it was not able to reclaim holdings that had rebelled in the Mediterranean. So that, that was after, after this treaty, there were a collection of uh, Carthaginian colonies that were basically that had up to this point been um, fairly maltreated Mm -hmm. primarily for the financing of this war that they then proceeded to lose uh, at which point they rebelled and they a couple of them rebelled or they rebelled a couple of times i'm unclear the first time when they sought help from rome rome was like whoa 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 per this treaty we're not allowed to help you guys like, this is your problem, you're on your own. And then later, at like three years later, uh, they basically decided, yep, all right, you're a Roman colony now, congratulations. And then they considered the uh, Carthaginian preparations to go and retake this place to be an act of war. Mm-hmm. And so Which I, I assume led to the Second Punic War? So or... I, I went down the rabbit hole a little bit. Uh, farther through the other Punic Wars. uh, Allegedly, there would be a second one. Otherwise, it would just be the Punic War. (laughs) The Great Punic War. Yeah, yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's how we name wars here. Like, you have the first one, and then that means there's a sequel. (laughs) What if you... The next war, I hope they call it. (laughs) I mean, they didn't call it the first Gulf War. They just called it the Gulf War, and that whatever the next one is... (laughs) So the Second Punic War um, is, I think, much more famous. So this is when Hannibal famously crossed the Alps with elephants. 
Um, but there, it was actually a way closer in terms of the Carthaginians winning than I would have ever thought. It wasn't like he crossed and then, you know, there was a big battle, then he lost, and then that was it. It was like he he collected an enormous army of Gallic and Iberian mercenaries, had brought elephants over and invaded Italy, and at one point had control over a huge amount of the Italian peninsula. Like, mm. he was winning. They were thoroughly winning. Mm. Like, all the Latin allies that Rome hadn't quite consolidated were rebelling against them. Syracuse, which is one of the major powers on Sicily, was also rebelling against them. Like, so it seems like it was basically just Rome, and then they won. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. The logical conclusion to this story. I, I think just Carthage like had overextended itself. It couldn't finish it up, and then just Roman supply lines were much better in the Italian peninsula. And then I think they had... Rome launched a counterattack on North Africa. Okay. Then Hannibal withdrew from the Italian peninsula lost his shirt in North Africa, and then Carthage did not want to get sieged. And so sued for peace, another incredible quantity of silver. Um, And then the third Punic War... uh, Oh, so the the result of the second Punic War, Rome Rome takes all of Carthaginians' Iberian holdings. So now Carthage is only in North Africa, and also... Carthage is only allowed to fight war with the express permission of Rome, oh. which is like pretty pretty bad. Yeah, and so immediately they just get attacked by everybody who's like they can't fight back. Their hands <laughs> are tied, and then they fought back, and then Rome was like, "Ha ha, <laughs> you violated the, theory, no, the treaty." And so then they like in a pretty dickish move, I would say they like show up, give us all your arms, or we'll burn your city. They give them all their weapons, and they're like, we're going to burn your city. <laughs> or no, you burn your city and move it 10 miles away from the coast, otherwise we're going to go burn it. And then, not easily, but then they just did that and salted the earth, and it was decades before anybody lived in the site of modern-day Carthage. Or not modern-day, but the site <laughs> of Carthage. Yes. But weird how there isn't a modern-day Carthage. Yeah. Turns out, fighting three Punic Wars against Rome and losing all of them. Mm-hmm. In rapid succession. Not good. Yeah, not good. Would not recommend. Zero out of ten. But yeah, it was this very spicy time in history yeah, that you don't get to learn that much yeah, about. Yeah, no, that's... that's uh, which is interesting because we do have documentation, as sparse as it is, mm-hmm. of these time periods. Uh, like, I guess the the equivalent time periods in like the, the Far East, so in China and Japan, are... Similarly, are actually probably better documented, in, but we also don't learn about those. So maybe no one just can't, no one cares about ancient history. I guess so. Yeah, it is interesting. Though. It is interesting though that it is. Uh, it's interesting to hear though that the the similarities between, uh, basically the the crossing of the Alps, because I assume that the German or the, the Italians, <laughs> you know, all wars are basically the same. Uh, that the. Uh, uh, that the Romans did not anticipate anyone coming through the Alps. No. Which is obviously why Hannibal did it, which does bear striking similarities to the German Blitzkrieg at the start of World War II, where they just went through the Ardennes, which literally no one thought they could do, <laughs> to the point where they had aerial reconnaissance of there are tank battalions coming through the Ardennes. And that no can't be right. <laughs> there, there are elephants coming through, through the Alps. Alps. That's yeah, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. <laughs> And then, you know, it worked out basically the same way of 
Turns out you wind up overextending yourself, and then blah, 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 blah. Bad things <laughs> And yeah, history is written. Yeah, turns out it's all just, it's all just repeats. It's, it's uh, I guess, reboots. You know, like the names, the characters change. The timescales change. Timescales change, yeah. But, you know, it's basically all the same all over again, so. Well, uh, that has been some dubious information. Exceptionally if you, dubious. Fantastically dubious. <laughs> if you would like some less dubious information, we recommend you visit wikipedia.org. I've been Michael. And I've been Patrick. And will presumably continue to be Patrick.